You're listening to a sermon from Free City Church in Lawrence, Kansas. We exist to extend the glory of God by making disciples through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, today I'll be reading from uh, 1 John 1 through 18, or John 1 through 18, and then also uh, verse 29. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. <clears throat> he was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God, whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light, that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the word of the Lord. Please pray with me. Uh, dear God, thank you so much for today, for just bringing us all here safely together to uh, worship you and to hear a message. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would just be um, with Casey as uh, he speaks to us. Uh, speak through him, Lord, and just open our hearts, open our eyes to see uh, you more beautifully, Lord. Um, may we just see your mercies, your love, your goodness, your grace on a whole nother level that we have, have ever seen it before. Um, I also pray, Lord, for Central, uh, that you would just uh, bless uh, the students, the faculty, just all the staff that work here, uh, that your presence would just roam uh, throughout this place. And uh, we are very thankful that we get to meet here uh, every Sunday and worship you. And I just pray, Lord, that you would just move in the lives of everyone uh, in this building. We love you so much, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, Merry Christmas. It's not too early. It's not too early. Uh, my name's Casey. I'm uh, one of the pastors here. And uh, for the next several weeks, we started last week, we're going to be looking at the same text, just kind of moving through it. And so we're looking at John's uh, Christmas account. And John's Christmas account is different uh, from Luke and Matthew's account that he doesn't give the details about the night of Christmas and about that Christmas morning, but he gives us the details about what we got in Christmas. And, and so last week we, we looked at what you, you heard at the very beginning. We saw uh, he is the word, the message of God that has come. And this week we're moving to Jesus is the light of heaven that has come to pierce the darkness. And there's no darkness that he can't pierce and there's no darkness that can overcome him. And so when we think about cold, dark nights, we wanna think about the coming dawn. 
And so as we're looking at this, um, we're going to be starting in verse 4. And we're going to be looking all the way through verse 12 to a place of decision. But, but several years ago when I was doing a youth ministry, uh, I had two of my um, small groups, middle school boys small groups, come to me and they said, hey, we've made a decision. We've planned a camp out. And I thought, horrible decision. But I felt obligated to go and be a part of the decision because I was afraid of what might happen if I'm not there. But I didn't want to go there. And sometime throughout the night, the idea of capture the flag came up. It was dark. There was fire. Middle school boys running around with no defined perimeter in the woods. What could go wrong? So capture the flag, we started, and we start on opposite sides of the tree line, and there's open field, and you hide your flag, you don't know where, you know, you don't tell them where it is, you're trying to get their flag. There's a middle line, when you cross over, you can get tagged and taken to jail, which looks a little bit more like being pummeled and then taken to jail. And so all these different rules, which are more like guidelines than they are rules. Well, so I had crept out into the middle of the field and all of a sudden before me, man, I saw one of my middle school students and they were kind of hunkered in the field and they weren't moving. And so I thought, I'm gonna sneak up on them and I'm gonna get them. And so I snuck up a little bit and I, I was blown away. They still weren't moving. And actually I was pretty sure they could see me and I was actually starting to get mad. Like I'm not a threat to run away from. I remember thinking like, man, you should be like running away from me. And so I scooted up just a little bit more. This was taking a lot of time. And I'm still, I'm finally like upset. And so I finally start talking to the middle schooler. Like, hey, I see you. Don't think you're gonna get away from me. And, uh, and they didn't talk back, which made me even more angry. Like, I'm such a little threat that you're not going to run away from me. You're not even going to acknowledge that I'm here. And so I was beginning uh, to get ready for the pounce. I was going to run and just tackle them um, and, and, you know, make them know who I am, you know. Um, and all of a sudden, you know, we heard the other team cheer that they had captured our flag and the game was over. And I was so disappointed, but I wasn't nearly as disappointed as when I realized that the middle schooler had taken off their jacket and put it on a bush, and for 20 minutes, I'd been tough-talking a bush. <laughs> I mean, literally, there was wind. It's western Oklahoma, so nothing's still, but literally, I was like, I can't believe they're not running from me. The bush doesn't run. This bush is not Moses's bush. This bush does not, it, it doesn't talk. And so I had this horrible, like, realization like in the darkness, I didn't see it right. I didn't think about it right. In the darkness, I felt insecure. I was trying to get something in the darkness that it couldn't give. The bush couldn't talk. It couldn't run. I was yelling at the bush, tough talking the bush, being insulted by the bush because I couldn't see what the bush really was. It was too dark. As we gathered around the fire, everyone then uh, lies about their exploits during the game of like, oh man, no, I got you. And I found that I hated what the dark had done to me, but now I love the dark because I didn't want it to expose me. No one saw me tough talking the bush. And, and this is the predicament. Like, like this, this is the dilemma. Like the darkness confused me. 
It made me talk to a bush and wasted the game. It made me do something that was stupid. And in that way, I hated the darkness. But in another way, I loved the darkness because the darkness concealed me. It it hid what happened. No one saw it. And so I had the dilemma, do I bring it out in the open? And in that situation, we just laugh about it. Or do I leave it in the darkness? I hated the darkness. I loved the darkness. And this is exactly the predicament that we see. Like, do you ever feel the same way? Like, the darkness has a disoriented feeling. It lies to you. It confuses you. But it also hides you. You hate it. But you also love that it hides it. And at Christmas, the light of heaven is entered into the darkness. And Jesus is the revealing light of God that cannot be defeated, but it can, he can be rejected. And so I I, want to look at this. And we just got three words. I'm going to show you where they are. And so the first one is light. Jesus is the light. And we see that in verse 4, 5, 7, 8, and 9. And multiple of those verses say it a lot. It's being very, very clear to identify this coming Christmas is about a gift that we get. And it is the light of heaven. And it comes in a he. And that he is Jesus Christ. Jesus is the light of heaven. But then we're going to look at darkness. Jesus overcomes the darkness. Look look at verse 5. You see it right there. But then you, it's mentioned twice in verse 5, but then it's described in verse 10 and 11. And so we're going to look, Jesus is the light. Jesus came to overcome the darkness. And then we're going to look at this other word, witness. And you see witness come a couple times in verse 7 and 8. But this witness gives us a charge and it gives us a choice down in verse 12. Will you believe and receive or will you reject and walk away because the darkness hates the light. And so as we get started, let's, let's just look at this. We're going to jump around a little bit, but starting with this, the light. And so look at the beginning of this passage. It says, Jesus is the light. And it tells us Christmas is all about the light of heaven entering in as the person of Jesus Christ. The heavenly light came to us in that Christmas morning. And so we see all kinds of descriptions about this light. And so the first thing, look at, look at verse 4. It says, in him was life. And the life was the light of men. And so it tells us that the light is the life you've been looking for. Christmas is about a coming life that you've tried to find in every other place, a gnawing feeling that is deep inside when you have a sense of, I don't have all that I need. There is something missing inside of me. Like you felt it watching a movie wondering if that kind of happiness really exists, if the exhilaration that they have could be mine, if I could live that kind of life. Uh, This was a couple weeks ago, but I was trying to explain something about like, I think maybe like the 100th year anniversary of the Titanic came out or something. Uh, I think it was made in the 1900s. And uh, I was trying to describe that. And so the kids had studied the Titanic and they knew all kinds of facts about the Titanic. But I was like, do you know about Jack and Rose? That's the important thing. Like, I mean, you see that moment where they hang over the front of the bow and you're like, man, is there a love like that for me? And then as they're running from the gangsters on a boat that's gonna, you know, die and sink, you're wondering, if that life is real, can I have that kind of life? And then you wonder like, Rose, why couldn't you move over on the door? Jack could have lived. But you see life out there and you wonder, man, 
am I missing something? Or you felt it sitting home all alone, seeing what everyone else is doing on your social media feed as you scroll and you think they seem happy and I'm just here. Or it comes in the wake of every success that you thought would fix you. You thought, if I meet that mile mark, then I'll be taken serious. Something inside of me will be fortified. Like there's a missing life inside of us. Or it weighs heavy as you sit in the audience at yet another wedding. Like the whole point of Christmas is that your intuition is right. You're looking for a life that you don't have. And it's not in the movie. And it's not on your feed. And it's not in any earthly relationship or success. John says that that life that you're looking for entered in like light. Christmas is about the light of a life that you've been looking for. But this light, and this is the good news, it's for everyone. Look at verse 9. Like verse 9, it says, The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. And so it says, gives light to everyone. That means, it doesn't mean that everyone is automatically saved. Because verse 12, look down at verse 12. Verse 12 says we have to make a choice about this light. You can respond with believing and receiving, or you can reject the light and stay in the dark. You're not born with it, but you're born with a need for it. And so Christmas proclaims this idea that all who want Jesus can have Jesus and the light came to shine that all might see and the light is spreading. And so when verse nine says everyone, the light of salvation is for everyone who enters in. If you enter in and we get down to the end, you become a child of God. It changes. You're now in a family and that family is going to have a future victory. Like there's hope for you. And so this life that you're looking for is held up within a family that you have to get adopted in and you have to make a choice. Now this brings up questions where people talk about the sovereignty of God and they talk about man's choice. And listen, I want to tell you the answer and the answer is yes. And it feels so good to say yes. And I'm the parent that actually says no. Like my kids ask me before the question is out of their mouth, I say no. They're like, hey, can we know? And then they're like, well, what about this? No. And they're like, well, maybe we can, no, 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 no. It feels good. In my pocket is more no. I love saying no, but here we get to say yes. Yes. Like, is God sovereign? Yes. It, it, do my choices here now matter? Yes. Well, well, can it be both? I don't know how it can be both, but the Bible loves to talk about both. And usually within moments in the scriptures where it talks about you know, all who can come, it is in this passage of God's sovereignty. I don't know how it works, but take it up with Jesus. If you want to look at a place, man, look at Matthew 11. Matthew 11, you get to the place where it says, you know, all who are weary and tired, come to me and find rest. It says, all, if you want rest, you come to him. But right before that, it talks about, you know, Jesus saying, man, I give, you know, reveal to whom I want to reveal, to the Father. It has all this. And I don't know how both are true, but both are true. And verse 9 says, this light is for everyone, and that means it is for you. Whatever your particular type of darkness or lack of life that you're struggling with, the light of Jesus is for you. And John says, he skips over all the details of the morning to talk about what is presented for you and what you have in the person of Jesus. He says, there's a light for heaven for you. But verse 9 also says this. It says, the true light 
which that means that there are counterfeit lights, that there are things that we are prone to trust in that we think are gonna bring us life, but he came to show us what the true light is, the true life that we're looking for, the true light that can bring us into the kingdom of God, the true light that is different from all the other lights, that all the other light of goodness actually points to this light. But it's a warning that there are counterfeit lights things that help us pacifying the gnawing darkness we feel in our hearts. And so it looks like sometimes we think more money will get us into this life that we want. Like we know that money can't buy happiness, but we think it can buy a boat, and they wrote a song about it. And so we think, man, if I had that, man, it might fix something. Or we think, man, some sort of experience out there. You see people with their pictures of vacation, and you're like, man, if I slept in that mountain range or under those trees, if I had that kind of experience, there would be a fullness in me. Or we think, man, if I had those kind of relationship, I'm just missing the relationship. If I had him or if I had her, that gnawing hollowness in my soul would be filled. Or you say, man, something doesn't feel right. Like maybe we just need to have a baby and that'll fix us. And apparently a lot of people were thinking that in our church about seven months ago. Um, <laughs> But and I want to tell you, man, babies, man, they are a blessing from the Lord. And, and, you know, if you feel like they will take and they will fill, they will take your time, they will take your sleep, they will fill your social media feed so people think your dog is dead. They're like, man, we used to, is, is your dog okay? They will wonder, it, it'll make people wonder if you even eat anymore. Like, you used to po post pictures about food, but we haven't seen any. Are you eating? Uh, and so they will take and they will fill, but they can't fill this pulsing pain that ebbs in your soul, it'll be pacified for a moment, but it'll come back. And so what we see is that, man, there is a light and it is the life you've been looking for. This light is for everyone. This light exposes counterfeit lights. You know, you take a, a flashlight or a headlamp and you turn on a dark room and it's kind of overpowering. But you take that same flashlight or headlamp and you put it in the bright of day and you have to look to see if it's on. There's an exposing element in this light that shows our shortcomings and how the things fail us. And like the, the difficult thing about that is those things fail us over and over and over and we forgive them over and over because they pacify to us and say, I won't do it this time and we believe them. And so on Christmas, this light came to expose counterfeit lights. And then like, let's just cut to the chase. Like verse 10, this light is Jesus. You know, like, I don't know if I needed to spell that out. But in verse 10, it says he was in the world. And then later in verse 14, it, it really specifies that he entered in. And this he is Jesus. So he was in the world. And it was the world that was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. And so the he is the creative power of God who entered into our world, bringing the light of God on the first Christmas almost 2,000 years ago. And so this light is Jesus. This light is the life you've been looking for. This light is for everyone. You need to make a decision and respond. This light exposes counterfeit lights. And this light penetrates all darkness. Like, like verse 5 where it says, the light shines into the darkness. That's talking about the light started from somewhere and it's pushing darkness back. It exposes what's in the darkness and it keeps moving, but it goes on in verse five where it says the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. The light cannot be stopped. Darkness can't stop light. 
And we're, we're going to say a lot about this in just a minute. But it just says the darkness has not overcome it. And so this light cannot be stopped. But look at verse 11. But the light can be rejected. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. And so in, in moments like this where you're starting to think about, man, where does Jesus fit into my life? Like most people don't just say no. Most people pacify the moment with, I should think about that more deeply later. Or, or you pacify the moment with like, man, not now. Or I need more thought and more time. But those are, you know, just less abrasive ways of saying no to stay in the darkness. And so the first thing that we see all over this passage, light, 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 is Christmas is the light of heaven entering into the person of Jesus. But then we see where it's entering in and we get to darkness. And what it's going to say is Jesus has overcome the darkness. Or it's going to say Christmas is about Jesus, the light of heaven coming to us to overcome the darkness in my life. And so look at verse 5. It says, the light shines in the darkness... And the darkness has not overcome it. Now, you could look at a lot of different translations, and they're going to translate the end of that sentence very, very different. And so the word there apparently holds a lot of ideas and a lot of meanings. And so let me give you a little bit of a survey of what you're going to see. And so like the ESV, it says the darkness has not overcome it. And so it means like there's a physical effort that the darkness is trying to stop the light, but it hasn't overcome it, but it's in a continual form, meaning it can't overcome it. And so it takes it as a physical battle that can't be won by darkness. The NIV translate, it also translates it as overcome, but it offers another idea. And so you take the notation, it says understands it. And so it could say the darkness has not understood it. And so darkness can't physically stop it, nor can it mentally grasp it. Then you go to the NASB and it translated as the darkness has not grasped it, but then it offers the other side. It can't overpower it. And so it's taken this idea that this word has something to mean of a mental battle, but also a physical battle. So it can't stop it. It can't grasp it. And then you have the NILT. And so the New Living Translation, it says the darkness can never extinguish it but it also offers another translation like the NIV and says it can't understand it so it says it can't physically stop it but there's something about darkness that doesn't want to understand it or can't understand the light and then you have the amplified version and what I love about the amplified version is they look at every translation problem and they say it is no problem we will just add more conjunctions commas and various styles of brackets we will have round brackets square brackets and we'll just say you decide and so it reads like this the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not understand it nor overpower it or appropriate it, that means it can't change its use or goals because it doesn't have authority over it, or absorb it, I don't even know where they got that one, but or absorb it and now enter in the fun brackets and is unreceptive to it. And so it just says, Jesus, the light, Jesus is the light that the darkness cannot stop, defeat, and there's even just a deep misunderstanding about Jesus. And so let me just summarize that in a couple different ways. First, Christmas declares that the darkness in you and around you cannot stop the light of Jesus. 
It it, it can't stop it. It has no power to stop it. It is not some sort of yin-yang, dualistic relationship battling it out. And we hope that light wins. The darkness has no power to tell the light of Jesus to stay away or it can't go any further. It can't draw a line in your life and say, sure, have that part of the life, but we'll leave this one here because this is unconquerable. The idea is there is a moving power of the light that the darkness cannot stop. But that's not the only thing. It also declares, Christmas declares that darkness in you and around you can never overpower the light of Jesus. It can't win. And so even if you've had defeat after defeat, like the good news of Christmas is you are not on your own. Light has entered in to envelop and to take all of this back. Now in this part of John, when he talks about creation, he talks about light and dark, he's trying to show darkness is a void of light and God has entered in. But when we unpack the rest of John, he shows it more of like there's a battle. And I think this is a little bit more of what we feel like. There's a battle, like the darkness hates the light. The darkness flees from the light. The darkness resists the light. But when the light enters in, darkness can never overcome the light. And so look at these verses. So John also writes these verses. In John 3, 19, he says, Light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than light because their works are evil. It was me sitting around the campfire like, do I describe my tough talking to the bush or do I leave it alone and let it conceal the mistakes that I made? Or John 12, 46, John writes, I have come into the world as light, so Jesus is talking, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in the darkness. And so it's saying the light of Jesus delivers people from darkness. You don't have to stay in the darkness. Like the picture is, it's fleeing. Like you can be encompassed by the light. Believe the truths of God. Say them out loud to him and to yourself and to others in prayer. And when light enters in, darkness can't remain. It flees. Or John's other book, 1 John 2.8. He says, I'm writing to you, which is true in him, in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. And so the picture is at Christmas, light came in and it's spreading and the darkness that you see is real and it is here, but it can't defeat the light. It will be pushed back or we get it even more plainly. First John 3, 8, 3, 8, the reason the son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Now, I, I know you look around and I know you see darkness, you see war. You see poverty, you see injustice, you see disease, you see abandonment, you see abuse. Like, I know you see darkness, but when you start to doubt, like, take this picture on, walk into a dark room and turn on the light, and you don't see a power struggle. You see when light enters in, it pushes out, but you do see shadows. You see shadows behind chairs, and you see shadows behind doorways, And you see shadows because in this life, the light of Christ, it's entering in and it presses upon the darkness in our life. And darkness loves to flee and loves to hide in deep. But this is not damning news for at least two reasons. So first, like at least two reasons. You know, Christmas declares that darkness cannot stop the light. Christmas declares that darkness cannot overpower, undo the light. But this idea of shadow comes in. Christmas declares the beginning. The light has come. And so all the translations point to the idea of darkness unable to understand or comprehend the light. It doesn't get it. 
at the point of salvation is realization or belief. That belief is in the beginning. It sounds like this. I believe that Jesus is who he says he is and that his life, death, and resurrection is a solution for my sin. And if you struggle with belief, if you struggle with that, like join the club. And that club is a church. That club is a church like this church. Like there are people who struggle with belief. We all struggle. And so that same dark room when light is turned on and there's still shadows of doubt in the room, like that would be a big problem if it wasn't for two reasons. And first we see it in verse five when it says the light shines in the darkness. The the verb tense on shines mean it continually shines in the darkness. It doesn't just shine like a flash and go away. It continually is pushing back and it will work its into every corner of your heart and every corner of your life. But even more than that, it's already told us that this light is a person. And we let that person in and that person is nosy. And that person starts to walk around the room and starts to look behind the chairs and behind the couch where you never vacuum. And then you like pull that couch back and there's like a kid in there, you know, like we've missed you for a long time. We're glad you're here. We're sorry. You know, it starts to move around and like the doors that are shut to keep the light out, he opens those doors, he knocks on those doors. And like you say, no, I'm not gonna let you in. He doesn't say, okay, I'll just go to another door. He stays at that door. He says, it's time to deal with what's behind that door. It's time to be what's in that closet. And, and you freak out because you know all the stuff you shoved in that closet. It's like city group time and you don't have time to actually clean. So you shove everything in a closet. You know what's in there. But he keeps knocking. He says, let the light of heaven into that closet. And so Jesus starts to walk around to expose the shadows, the shadows of disbelief. And he doesn't do it to expose you. He does it to infiltrate your life with light, which is the real life. And so at Christmas, the light of heaven is entered in. And the darkness cannot overcome it. Light, dark finally witness. Look at this. We're going to see John as a witness pointing to Jesus as the light who has come. But then we're going to expand that of what do we need in the witness and what do we see in the scripture. So look at verse 6. It says, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. And he came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. And so John, he's talking about light, he's talking about darkness, and then he talks about John the Baptist. He says, remember John the Baptist, who Jesus describes as the greatest prophet who ever was, but who is the least in the kingdom of heaven. And it's talking about all the great achievements that might happen in this life is nothing compared to what Jesus has done for us when you embrace him as the light, when you embrace him as life. And so John the Baptist was a witness. And he pointed to Jesus declaring that he had a life-changing light in him because he was the life-changing light. And John the Baptist was a very important witness. But he's not the only witness that pointed to Jesus as the life-penetrating light that can destroy any darkness. Like think about some of these people or things. Like Zechariah. Zechariah pointed through John to Jesus in prophecy as a witness. He said that John would be the most high prophet who would go before the Lord. 
to prepare a way. And that this Jesus would bring the knowledge of salvation. And in Luke 1, starting in verse 76 through 79, it starts to paint the picture that this Jesus would bring the knowledge of salvation and he would break forth the tender mercy of God like sunrise breaking upon the darkness of night. It doesn't matter how dark the night is, it can't stop the sun. This is what the tender mercy of Jesus would come through. It would come through like light on a dark night. But the angels also pointed as a witness. In Luke 2, starting at verse 10, the angels stood before uh, the shepherds and said, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And so they came and they pointed as a witness because the light has come, because a Savior was born. There is good news and it is great joy and it is available for all people. So don't fear. Don't give yourself to fear. And so then the shepherds, man, they, they pointed as a witness. And so after they get this, this heavenly uh, witness before them, they go on this search and they're looking for a baby wrapped in a cloth in a feeding trough. Now, surely they went to some wrong homes. Surely they walked in some wrong homes like, man, I heard you had a baby and this is great news. A beautiful baby girl. Next house. Merry Christmas. Surely they went some homes and oh man, what a beautiful baby boy, not in a feeding trough, next house. And suddenly they get to all things pointed to the person of Jesus and they would have had to have wondered, how is right here good news for all people, great joy for all people, the alleviation of all fears in all people, But they were a witness because it says that they left praising the Lord and they told everyone. But there's more witnesses. You know, the water made wine in John 2. Like Jesus can take the ordinary and make it extraordinary. Invite him to your party. Or we get to John 4. The Samaritan woman, you know, she pointed to Christ. She came back and said, come meet him. He knew every dark thing about me. He knew everything that I had done. And yet he approached me and talked to me and he gave me life satisfying living water. Come meet him. Or the 5,000 in the wilderness of John 6. He multiplied bread in the wilderness for him, just like God made manna fall. Every morning for 40 years as the Israelites wondered, Jesus is the bread of life is what it said. Or the woman caught in adultery in John 8. She was like, I was caught. I was guilty. I was deserving death. And he shielded me. And he chose not to condemn me. Look at this Jesus. Or or the miracles they pointed, the lame made able to walk like in John 5. Or the blind made able to see, they pointed like in John 9. Or Lazarus raised from the dead, it pointed, he pointed in John 11. And ultimately, the cross pointed. The cross pointed. And it pointed out that at Christmas, the light of heaven pierced the darkness. But at Easter, we would pierce the light of heaven and hang him on a tree. But it was foretold. It wasn't gone or wire. 
we were told 700 years before a description of it through Isaiah as he's describing what he saw and probably didn't understand. But he wrote this, Isaiah 53, verse 4. Surely he has borne our griefs, carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. Jump down to verse 10. It wasn't over. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring and he shall prolong his days. Meaning he'll die, but he'll live on. He will, of the Lord, shall prosper in his hand. All these different witnesses point. Isaiah pointed, the cross pointed, the woman caught in adultery pointed, uh, the feeding in the wilderness pointed, the Samaritan woman pointed, water made wine pointed, the shepherds pointed, angels pointed, Zechariah pointed. I'm pointing. But it comes to a decision. Verse 11. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Saying yes to the light of heaven, Saying yes to Jesus is believing and receiving. First, it's believing that Jesus is who he says he is, the incarnate God-made man, son of God, who came as light into a dark world. And then it's receiving what Jesus accomplished for you. He lived a life that you must live but can't live to get good standing with God. And he died in your death, in your place, taking upon the wrath of God. So two different ways you are made right before God. And if that happens, you become a child of God. Let me pray for us. Lord, as we uh, look, just as the Christmas witness of what John says we get on that Christmas morning, Lord, I pray that you would bring to mind. Lord, I pray that you would bring to mind, like if, if we're already Christians and we still struggle with darkness and we see it and it causes doubt, there's areas in our life uh, that have the shadow of darkness and the shadow of disbelief. Lord, where are you pointing to enter in? As you walk around as the light of heaven in our hearts, where are you knocking? What door are you trying to get behind that we have to open up to you? It's not if we don't open up, we're not saved. Man, we are secured. It is done. We are held in the hand of God. John tells us that in John 10. Like, it is done. Nothing can take us out of his hand. But sometimes we grip the handle of a door in our life because we're so afraid to be exposed. We hate the darkness, but we also love the darkness because it conceals and it hides. And so, Lord, would you give us the courage just to open that door? Let you walk in, let you reorder, let you throw things out. 
And so, Father, with that door opened, whatever that is, man, we bring that to communion as we remember that we can trust you because you laid down your life. Your body was broken and you poured out your blood. It was spilt to make it once and for all the sacrifice that can make us children of God again. You are the light of heaven. In this world, there are shadows But we read in Revelation that there is coming a day where there will be no shadows because it's not the sun that we orbit around that gives us light. It is the Son of God that gives us light. And so, Lord, we need you. In Jesus' name, amen. Come when you're ready. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about Free City Church in Lawrence, Kansas, please visit our website at fcclawrence.com.